and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuyper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. So, Joe, I don't know about you, but today I looked outside. Now, I live in Annapolis, and there was, like, it looks like there's a little bit of snow on the ground, and then I took the dog out, and all I could hear is ice just falling on the ground. Like, yeah. this weather is no good. What's it look like where you're at? You're a little bit further away than Annapolis. Yeah, I'm up in Frederick, and um, the snow, we got about mm, about three or four inches of snow this morning. And then and then now, as we record this, um, there's ice coming down, just ice and rain. So it's just yeah. all turned to ice. <laughs> you know, and it was funny, because the other day, I was like, I should go to the store. And I was like, nah. And then I wasn't really paying attention to the weather, and then I realized that it's like going to be like this all stinking day, all yeah. day long. So thankfully, yeah. I have enough toilet paper and enough food to get me through the next 48 <laughs> hours. I'll survive. Yeah. I'll survive. Uh, but, Joe, I know one of the big things you work on when there's this bad weather, you're kind of like the man on Fort Meade who's doing a lot of work to push out those weather notifications, right? That's all yes, you. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. So, um, for, for our folks who don't know, we actually, um, put out weather information on the, on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, our Twitter, on our website. Uh, we try to change digital the banners, garrison, digital garrison announcements. So if you haven't downloaded digital garrison, um, you can download that and get announcements. We're also going to work on push notifications. So you'll get a text to your phone letting you know that um, that there's a weather announcement. So uh, when you get a chance, visit the iTunes or, or Google Store and download Digital Garrison and uh, get those notifications. Um, it's going to be great. Um, one thing we used to do, and we may go back to it, is we used to make the call at 4 in the morning, the day of uh, the specific weather oh, event. The worst wake-up yeah. call ever. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's good news. Sometimes it's you know you don't have to go in, but we're um, we're public affairs, Joe. Worry. We're still we're, we're still working. Our work day just starts earlier. That's all. Yeah. Well, we work, but I mean everybody else. You know, we try to get That's the good right. news out early or bad. News. That's right. Um, but what people may not have noticed or may have noticed is that we started doing the information um, around eight eight thirty the night prior. To yes. give people a little bit more of a chance to to make their their plans for the next day. Yes. So, like today, for example, last night we made the call. I got on all of our platforms. I updated the information, and we've gotten some pretty good feedback. We 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 we're definitely trying to make it easier for the community to make those plans and to prepare themselves for the next day. But yeah, that's, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard because so many people live. Um, not at Fort Meade. So when we're making this weather call, I think it's important important for people to remember that we literally have people who commute from Pennsylvania, from Virginia, West Virginia, West Virginia. maybe. Yeah. You know, we have people coming in from all these states. Now, I know we're on mass telework and there's a pandemic, but there's still people who still need to come in um, yeah. to the fort and to the tenant partners and all that. So when you wake up and there's, like, no snow on your ground, and you have like reduced operations, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it because somewhere, like Joe, you you have several inches of snow this morning. I didn't have that much. Yes. So, yeah. you know, just 
you know, the call has to be made for the entire garrison and thinking of all of those things. So just just think about that, you know, if if you're looking out the window and saying, yeah, you can get to work, just enjoy the snow day, man. Just enjoy <laughs> it. And and it's all good. It's all good. And um, so just, I think, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but I think people forget, you know, I forget that people commute from Pennsylvania and from other states, literally other states come to work every day. So that's a huge consideration and thing that we have to look out. At the same time, as you were saying, Joe, it's very cool that the commander is now looking in the evening before and trying to put out those updates in the evening before so we all go to bed knowing what our morning is going to look like. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but then he'll do an update in the morning as well. Yes. So it it just depends on if the weather gets more severe. Like if the night prior they made a two-hour delay call, the next morning the weather might have gotten worse or something may have changed and they decide that they have to go to reduced operations. So that's something to keep in mind. And we will still do all of those updates on all of the platforms I mentioned. So just you, you stay tuned, you know, always keep in mind or in the back of your head that there might be a further update, you know. So I know a lot of people see something like a two-hour delay, and they may think that the command should do something more. So don't think the command isn't paying attention to that. Um, they want to make sure you're safe. Well, so and also call, call your organization. Yeah. Um, you know, the the weather call is not going to appease all of our 62 plus thousand workforce. I'm sure some folks it's not going to it's going to have be a conflict for some folks. Call your individual command, your individual bosses and talk to them. All right. So you can and figure out what you need to do for that day, you know, because so, there's lots of other options. I mean, so like, for example, in our office, Joe, you live in Frederick. If Everything else was groovy today, but Frederick had this monster snowstorm. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be asked to come in. You would be asked to telework or, or what have you. And those decisions could be made on those individual command levels um, and individual director levels. So, so don't. So just you know, just relax. It'll be taken care of, and and hopefully you know your individual uh, commands and such will, will help you out. I did want to say to Joe because you're talking about all these great resources. There are so many places you can find this information from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the Fort Meade website, your local uh, television news outlets, the 677 Meade, so it's M-E-A-D, no extra E on the end. What else am I missing? Oh, Digital Garrison. So you have Mm -hmm. like seven different ways to find out what's going on. Yeah. I just want you all to know that. Lots of ways, yeah, lots of ways, whatever way works best for you, go to that direction and, and know. Facebook probably gets updated the fastest just because it, it's just literally that fast. You know, if you hate Facebook, go to the website. If you hate Facebook and the website, turn on the TV. If you hate all three of them, call 677-MEAD. If you hate using telephones, well, at that point, I mean, we don't have carrier pigeons at Fort Meade anymore. We used to during, I think, World War II. At that point, I don't know what to tell you. But, um, you know, we just, the information's out there. There's lots of ways to find it. And, um, you know, enjoy enjoy the snow days when they come. And take advantage, yeah. take it as a mental health day. Find some cool ways to cozy, cozy up with your furry animals and and whatever. 
So, Joe, the weather outside today might not be so great, but you know what's great? Our interview, we meet up with Lieutenant Colonel Thomas Chapeau. He uh, used to work here at Fort Meade, and he went down to work on the inauguration task force for this year's uh, presidential inauguration. And his interview is awesome, and the rest of the show is awesome as well, so stay tuned. Hey, Team Mead. Here are some upcoming events and resources that you should know about. Links to all of these events and resources will be in this episode's show notes. Coming up on February 25th, it's Owl Prowl with the Maryland Department of Natural Resources. Learn about the owl species that calls Anne Arundel County home and how you can help it survive. I hear it's going to be a real hoop. This event is put on by the Anne Arundel County Public Library. On March 2nd, it's Baker's Bounty with the USO here on Fort Meade. Stop by the center starting at 10.30 in the morning to grab some delicious baked goods. Don't forget to bring a bag and your military ID as this event is only open to active duty service members and their dependents. And save this website, ftmeadresiliency.org. This is a new resource for you to help you stay ready and resilient. From mental health support to resources for family and children, everything in between, this is your one-stop shop. Not only will you be able to find the on-post services, but services in the community where you live if you don't live here on Fort Meade. So check it out today. Again, that's ftmeadresiliency.org. A presidential inauguration is a big deal, even in the time of COVID. Behind the planning and support of the big event is the inauguration task force. Now, some of you may remember Lieutenant Colonel Thomas Chapeau. He was the headquarters command battalion commander, say that three times fast, and left Fort Meade in July to join the inauguration task force. Lieutenant Colonel Chapeau, it's great to see you again. Hey, Sherry, Joe, uh, and really the entire Fort Meade team. Thanks for having me today. Uh, it feels like I just left Fort Meade yesterday. You know, time has really flown by since I left Fort Meade uh, and I joined the military district of Washington uh, up here in, or down here in DC from where you're at uh, and the inaugural task force. Yeah, that, that does sound like something that would keep a person really busy. So what exactly is this inauguration task force that you left us for? That's a good question, Sherry. Well, the, it's really the Joint Task Force National Capital Region. Uh, they stand up uh, underneath the provisions of the Military District of Washington, and they're tasked by the Department of Defense through NORTHCOM uh, to provide support to the presidential inauguration. You know, the tradition of escorting our commander in chief, really, uh, to the White House has been executed for more than 225 years. And we've been, uh, we've been working for more than a year now to prepare for the 59th presidential inauguration. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are on the task force. But my, my role in the task force was the task force parade commander. Uh, and so that really everything that kind of operated within the uh, area of the White House um, was, under my, uh, was under my command and control. That's crazy. So this so, mission has been going yeah. on for over 200 years. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I get it. We've had presidents <laughs> that long. But just to think that we've had this mission and that our military has been thinking about this for that long. Like, I guess I would think back in the good old days, they wouldn't have worried about things like this. Obviously, times have changed and it seems like more of an issue in more modern times. So that's that's really cool. That's something really awesome to think about. 
Yeah, it started off with George Washington on April 30th in 1789. So, I mean, it's been going on for quite a while, Sherry. Wow, that's amazing. Um, but ultimately, there's a lot different this time around uh, with, you know, the impacts of COVID and all the restrictions. How, how has COVID impacted the mission versus uh, previous inaugurations? Yeah, that's a Good question, Joe. Um, traditionally, the parade itself has been composed of more than 7,500 participants from all over the United States. Uh, however, this year, due to COVID uh, itself and, and the restrictions that the CDC has imposed, it was decided that only a small group of personnel, approximately 600, uh, both military from all the joint service components, as well as civilian um, and law enforcement personnel, of course, would uh, provide that escort to the commander in chief uh, into the White House for the very first time. Uh, in addition to public viewing, it was only virtual. Uh, so therefore what normally would have been very loud and congested uh, in terms of a very small infinite area with more than usually 100,000 people uh, in the White House zone, uh, it wasn't, it was quiet and serene. You know, and it, that just reinforces the significance of this event uh, in light of what's going on with COVID right now. Yeah, and, and ultimately, that was, you know, obviously the right call for, you know, everybody to make. But it, it definitely was a very different look. Um, I'm glad everything went well. Some other things happened, too, leading up to the inauguration. So not only do you have the impacts of COVID, but then you also had the impacts of the riot at the Capitol on January 6th. So how did that change and impact your mission? That's a good point, Sherry. Um, you know, aside from the, the 25,000 or so National Guards men and women uh, that were here in D.C. after the riot, we also had on day roughly around 300 uh, law enforcement personnel from across the United States. Uh, from the United States, and they they lined the uh, entire route of the parade. It was really amazing to see all of these law enforcement personnel from all over uh, the U.S. I spoke with a number of officers uh, from uh, Arkansas, Florida, uh, Illinois, Georgia, Texas. You can't forget the the cowboy hats. They all wore cowboy hats. Um, and then you know we had folks from uh, Los Angeles as well in, in California and. Just phenomenal how many people came out. Um, and we spent a lot of time chasing trooper caps and our own headgear uh, as it blew around on the streets out there. And the, But it was an opportunity, and I'm really proud to have been a part of it. Yeah, it sounds like there was a lot of uh, interesting uh, people and moving parts, and, and everything that, that really goes into it sounds fascinating. But, you know, what was, what was the, the coolest part for you? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I met Al Roker uh, that morning. Um, I had a chance to sit down and talk with him for about 30 minutes. Um, and then we went on and we did a live, uh, a live broadcast that morning uh, from the streets of uh, Lower Pennsylvania Avenue. And, you know, I tell you what, he's an amazing person. Very humble. Very humble. Um, I remember just uh, with about a minute and a half to go before the interview, he was out there humming uh, a song prior to going on the uh, live TV as I was sweating bullets and uh, very worried about going on live air for the first time. Uh, so it was, it was a great experience. I'll never forget that. Um, but aside from that, I'll tell you, you know, I'd have to say that probably the coolest part of the experience 
uh, was meeting with all of these interagency partners. Uh, we spoke with folks from this, uh, from various law enforcement entities and having the opportunity to work with all of these professionals uh, was absolutely an amazing opportunity. And, uh, and I really am grateful for having this opportunity to do it. Sir, I have to say, I did see your Al Roker interview. <laughs> I, was, I was very proud of you. And I just only can assume that it's because of all of the great PAO mentorship you got during your time here at Fort Meade. <laughs> but seriously, you, what, that- Sherry, you definitely squared me away. <laughs> that and my PAO team that was with me on the ground that day. Um, they were little. Yeah, but, but more Fort Meade, but more Fort Meade. No, um, <laughs> all joking aside, it was very cool to see that interview because I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great, it was really neat. It was a good opportunity. Good. Uh, That's awesome to hear. And I I think it's kind of funny that meeting Al Roker is like at the top of your list of cool experiences, you know, not the president or anything. Al Roker is the man. And I've heard the same thing. Um, If you don't know this, I used to work in the news business before my uh, illustrious career here at Fort Meade. And a lot of people have said the same thing about Al Roker, that he's a really nice guy. So what a cool opportunity. And, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So now that, now that the inauguration's over, now what are you going to be doing? <laughs> Sleep, Sherry. I'm going to take some, uh, what I'd like to call well-deserved rest or well-earned rest. Um, and then this summer, uh, I'm very humbly able to say that I've been selected for the War College uh, or the Senior Service College. And so uh, I will, uh, I will move on to you to learn uh, and grow as a person and uh, and a leader in the army. So very humbled and excited for that opportunity as well, Sherry. I was going to say, sir, that sounds like you have a lot on your plate. Um, you've done some pretty amazing things, and we were glad to have you here at the installation. Who knows? Maybe after the war college, maybe you'll you'll come back down to a uh, good old Fort Me. Hey, you never know, Joe. You never know. Um, <laughs> I would be honored to come back to Fort Meade. It's a great place. I really liked it there. And I have to ask real quick before we let you go, sir, how's that car of yours doing? You have the <laughs> coolest car. Well, it's been in the garage. I appreciate it. It's been in the garage for quite a while now with this weather that we've been having. Um, I think they said traditionally Virginia gets about 22 inches of snow per year. And I think we've just already exceeded that uh, here in Northern Virginia. So uh, it's been a uh, it's been a fun time, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity to getting it back out on the street. So that was pretty awesome, Sherry, getting to catch back up with uh, Colonel Chapeau. You know, he was here for quite some time, and now he's moved on, and then he's still, you know, participating with us and, you know, having a sit-down with us. That was pretty cool. What do you think? Yeah, that was cool. Um, it was really interesting hearing about the inauguration task force, and I think one of my biggest aha moments was – and I think I said this even in the interview, is when he talked about this mission being over 200 years old. And I guess I just thought something like this was just more of a modern thing, but they've literally been doing this since our first president. And, you know, having this task force, and obviously inaugurations have evolved um, into these big events, but they've always been big events, I guess. And I just yeah. thought that that was kind of really cool to step back and think like, this isn't, this is literally nothing new. <laughs> We've been yeah. literally doing this since the founding of our country. And, yeah. um, as the, you know, as the United States, as our first president, actually, you know, so more as the first president of the founding of the country, but you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. I just thought that was, 
really cool to think about and, you know, what a neat mission. Oh, yeah. Like, it's one of the things where, I, I mean, if I was if I was asked to do something like that, I would feel extremely honored to be a part of that tradition, as I imagine Colonel Chapeau was. It's just one of those things where you don't really think too much about what goes on behind the scenes. You don't really understand right what that is until you're a part of it. And then you're like, oh, wow, there's so much to this. There's so much. I mean, and common sense would be that it's a big undertaking. But yes. until you're a part of it, you don't really grasp just how much, you know. Well, and, you know, this election and this inauguration, rather, is a little bit different than what we've had to deal with in the past 100 years, at least, because we have a pandemic. You know, we haven't mm. had a, a global pandemic since the early 1900s, and we also had the the riot at the Capitol just a few weeks before the inauguration. Yeah. So those are two huge historical events that will have an impact on that, you know, on the inauguration. So I think it's also very, it was very interesting to get that kind of look behind the curtain, like you said, and then yeah. look at it in such a historic year that was, you know, that had all these other challenges on it. And, um, but of course, our, our people, they did what they had to do and they got the job any, done anyway. So, you know, so what yeah. if there's a pandemic? We're still having an inauguration, you know, and exactly. that's, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to, con- like, to be able to make it happen in the midst of everything that's been going on, it's still pretty impressive. I mean, yeah. Like I watched it, I think the whole world was kind of tuned in. I it was it was just a great event. Could you imagine the inauguration on a Zoom call? They'd be trying to, <laughs> they'd be like, "You're muted. <laughs> you have to redo. You have to redo your oath. You were muted." <laughs> oh man, oh, I could only that, imagine. Oh, where where are the parodies of that? Um, but I'm glad it didn't come to that. Um, yeah. Oh, I do want to tell you. So this is a fun little fact I I learned recently. So, of course, I'm sure you notice if you're watching Inauguration, the guy wiping down the podium, like, after yeah. everybody spoke and saying, he works for our friend over at DISA. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. become and kind he's of a fine, celebrity. I know. I mean, and his and his job is not podium sanitizer. That's not an official position at DISA. From my understanding, he works down at the White House, and it just was a job that needed to be done, and he ended up doing it. And I think that's pretty cool. Because yeah, that um, is pretty cool. You know, it's kind of it seems it seems like a silly thing, but I think it's pretty cool to to see that and to know that you know there's still a Fort Meade connection there. So there's a Fort Meade yeah. connection everywhere. I feel like. Oh yeah, we 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 do a lot of things here. We have a lot of experts who do sometimes things that they're not even normally doing. They just volunteer to do them, and next thing you know, it's a big deal. You know, so we always got to remember that. We have just so many people, and we contribute to the community so much. It's so great to see. Well, and and the folks are pretty humble about it, so you're not going to see it everywhere, you know. I mean, Lieutenant Colonel Chapeau did talk to Al Roker, so I suppose that was seen by the nation. But yeah. in general, you know, <laughs> like we have we have um, military working dogs here that often go to D.C. for big events and things like that. Um, our our friends at the USO here at the USO here at Fort Meade, they were down in D.C. supporting the National Guard folks who were down there because all those National Guardsmen uh, showed up. Uh, so 
you know, but you're not going to hear about it because they're not, you know, they're very humble about it. And so then it's just waking up and doing their job. So I think that's also very cool. So shout out to all the Fort Meade folks who supported the inauguration and who are still supporting uh, things down there in D.C. Uh, it's, it's very cool to, to see that and to see the work you guys are doing. Thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, just remember, you can find this podcast on iTunes and at DividsHub.net. Uh, we look forward to your, your feedback and your questions, and we'll talk to you guys uh, next episode.